evening. Good evening. Welcome to Real Talk Podcast Live with Willie and Terrell. Tonight is just us, and we're going to talk about the life and legacy of Malcolm X, a native of Omaha, a great black leader, and a great man. You think so? Yes. Hmm? Yes, I think so. Um, you know, yesterday was his birthday. Yep. Um, you had a lot of people on, on Facebook um, talking about the disservice that was that was uh, done to him yesterday. And the, uh, the whole, I think it was like two or three days uh, celebration of his legacy. Um, and I'm, I'm definitely guilty of that. Because I was tired, and I um, only saw it a couple times on Facebook, and I totally just faced it off, and that, that's on me. So w- why do you feel that it wasn't, it wasn't well attended at the, uh, on this uh, celebration? Um, I think, I, I, I was thinking about this the other day, and this is... I don't want it to come off as I'm comparing the two or I'm saying one is better than another. But around Malcolm's Martin's birthday, the whole community is active. Everybody wants to have a Malcolm a Martin Luther King celebration. We're doing this, we're doing that. But when it's Malcolm X's birthday, it seemed like people are on pins and needles and on their tippy toes about whether they should write something about Malcolm X. Should they repost a quote of his or they should do something in celebration of Malcolm X's life. So that, and it, it, to me, it makes no sense. I think both should be celebrated in the same vein. They both did some great things for our people. But it still seems like there's a portion of our community that is hesitant to actively and unapologetically celebrate Malcolm X's life. That shouldn't be become a surprise to you. <laughs> oh, no, to us. No, it, it it doesn't come as a surprise to me, but I think it's a shame. Oh, right, right. Do you think it because it because of Malcolm or because of the fact that he was a Muslim? I think it's both. I think it, it it's both. I think he was one. He was a Muslim, and one because he was so outspoken and unapologetic about his beliefs and his experiences in life. Do you think because he went to prison that that played a, maybe played a role in the comparison? I think it's a factor because I think his experiences in life were dramatically different than those of Martin Luther King. I think he they they both experienced similar things as black men and black leaders in America. But one experience one he went to prison. Two, he changed. He, Martin grew up in the church. Malcolm grew up in the Garveyite family. And that's a different, that's a different philosophy. That's a different perspective. And that's a different outlook on life. His father was a Garveyite. He was preaching, going back to Africa, black nationalism. So he grew up in that type of family. Martin grew up in a church, which is different. I I think more uh, Malcolm really uh really related a lot to the street folks. Yes. Gang you know, um gang members, thugs, whatever you want to call us. <laughs> but uh I, I think he resonated more with grassroots individuals because a lot of folks saw themselves in him. Saying he have went to prison but he have changed his his, his life around. Yeah. And that's what his whole message was. And you talked about that earlier about, about second chances, man. That you can definitely um, and make a change. I think I've said I think I said it last year, but I think it still resonates. Sadly, I don't think Malcolm could have been could have become Malcolm X in today's society, because we are. We, we don't allow people to make mistakes anymore. <laughs> like you, like seriously, like somebody makes a mistake, we just society judge them so harshly that to come back from it seems impossible. I don't, I don't know if if we even have the institutions or the 
the culture anymore to allow a man to come out of prison and change his life and be somebody that the whole nation of people looks up to. Now when people come out of prison, oh, he's a felon. He, like, it, it's, so, it's so much stacked against us now that somebody becoming who Malcolm became in his life is, is more tougher, it, it's just tougher to become. Now, I'm gonna say something that's gonna be definitely gonna be controversial. You know, um, we have a lot of folks who are in the penal system are some very smart, intelligent individuals, mm -hmm. and that really are affecting change inside the prison, yeah. right? And Tuki, uh, Mondo, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, those are individuals that have been behind the walls for a long period of time, and they have, I think they want some of the most intelligent people uh, in the country, people with PhDs and uh, uh, masters and bachelors, yeah. and they, I think they brought about more change than uh, a lot of the so-called folks with, with with doctor degrees, PhDs. I agree. Yeah. So it, it shouldn't matter um, about whether you make a mistake. It, it should matter about what are you doing for your life today. Mm -hmm. What type of change have you have you happened to you? And, and Malcolm was just a shining example that, hey, look, okay, I made a mistake, all right? But I'm going to go and I'm going I'm to I'm self-talk everything. And then he, he had a vision. And he connected with the Nation of Islam. I got out and then, of course, had some differences within the nation and said, um, I'm going to go on my own. Um, and uh, um, once that happened, you know, hey, man. The nation has a history of folks who stray, who uh, they have a history of violence, period. Um, I watched this movie yesterday, and it made me a, a, emotional. I like, I like, towards the end, I just felt super sad. I think he knew he was going to die. He just didn't know when. And I think he kind of got to a point to where he was just felt like if it's gonna happen, it's just gonna happen. I'm gonna stop trying to prevent the inevitable. I'm gonna just be me and I'm gonna like, if, if I stand up here and speak and I die, I die, mm -hmm. but I'm not gonna let it hold me back. And I just think it's it's just super sad because I think we, our, our people failed him. Mm -hmm. I think, it, I don't know, I just think it, we still continue to fail him. Absolutely, man. Um, I think I think just like Martin, he knew it was coming. Mm -hmm. When his house got when his house burnt, got burnt down, um, he knew that was a attempt on his life. And uh, you're right, he he made a decision moving forward. Like, look, whatever will happen will happen. Mm -hmm. And I think the battle in the bullet came out of that that whole scenario. And, and I think it's one of the most powerful messages and pieces he he done. It is. Yeah. Um, man. So, so, so what did Malcolm mean to, in your life? And how has he impacted you? What did he mean in my life? Yeah. Mm. Malcolm might be my biggest inspiration to do, do what I do and to be who I am and try to just become a better person and a better man and a servant of the people. I think there's no better example than Malcolm for people that grew up in my same circumstances. Like there's nobody m more relatable than Malcolm to me. I think he was imperfect, but that's good. I don't want a perfect leader. I don't like I don't come from perfect situations. I'm not a perfect person. I think Malcolm just, he he proved and he showed that no matter what, we could become who we want to be and nothing's going to stop us. Um, it's, it's just a lot. He means a lot to me. Like, Malcolm, to me, probably, in my eyes, probably the most important black leader we ever had. Um, I, would, I would definitely put Malcolm first. Then I will put uh, Dr. King, and then I will put Nelson Mandela, and then I, and then I'll put uh, Walker Garvey. So those would be my 
through my, my top four. Matter of fact, I got a picture on the wall in my house. Um, it was hand painted that those are my uh, Mount Rushmore, the faces of Mount Rushmore that I would put <laughs> instead of some of the other uh, faces on them. Um, so I believe, and this is just me, um, I believe that Malcolm X can literally be the foundation of economic development in North Oak. I think um, um, the Malcolm X um, Foundation um, can be bigger than the Martin Luther King. Uh, Martin Luther King don't have 12 acres in the hood. Mm -hmm. He literally don't. Um, uh, people fly in all over the world and want to learn and know about Malcolm. So why do you feel that with this being the birthplace of him that we have such a, a hard time with really building this, this Malcolm X Center up? Um, I, to me, I think it's, it's sad that we call our, that, that we try to highlight that Omaha is the birthplace of Malcolm X. But you look how they celebrate his life in Harlem still, mm. when you see those pictures mm. and those parades and those things, you like, wow, we ain't doing, we ain't doing nothing. Not, not to that ex full extent. Um, I just think it's a, it's a disconnect because it's still a disconnect between the streets and whatever else you want to call it. I think that's the disconnect. I think the people on the street respect Malcolm than the people that's not on the streets. I think being outspoken and speaking truth to power is still frowned upon <laughs> by some people. I think, like, just, just honestly speaking, like, he... Yes, towards the end of his life, his perspective on things changed. But at the end of the day, he was still Malcolm. He was still himself. He was still outspoken. He might have changed, his perspective might have changed on the world. But at the core, he was still Malcolm. He still wasn't just biting it. He didn't bite his tongue. Right, right. And I think um, when he went to Mecca, that really changed and transformed his mindset. He was more concerned about uh, uh, human rights rather than just civil rights. Mm -hmm. And I think um, um, that's, that's the, the mindset that we gotta have. Look, we, we, everybody has benefited from civil rights, but us. So, so we need to be treated as human. And until the Constitution changes, you know, looking at us, uh, addressing us as three fifths of a human being, mm -hmm. then then we're gonna always, not always, but we're gonna have to fight the battle, if you will, with being less than human. And I think that's why um, across this, this globe, they're able to do some of the things to our children, our women, and our men, because they see us as less than human. Yes, I think when we think about Omaha and celebrate Malcolm, I just, in my eyes, I just think it's just more, like, that could be done, I think. No disrespect to Nelson Mandela. I don't think that school should be named Nelson Mandela. <laughs> I think it should be named Malcolm X. <laughs> I, I think that would have been way more powerful. It's, it's kind of funny you said that. Because um, I was actually on the planning committee and um, I was rather fatigued because you would rather pick someone outside this country than to pick a guy that was born here in Omaha to name a school Nelson Mandela when he should have been named Malcolm X. I, I, I totally agree with you, um, but it was a battle that uh, I lost, and so did maybe one other, uh, Sharif Lawaru. And then, like, the, the sad part is, 
We already got a Martin Luther King Elementary. Why couldn't, like, I don't under, like, understand the reasoning behind it. Like, it, it, I get why they didn't do it. <laughs> no, I get it, but it, it, it's just BS. It's like, are we still gonna accept just anything? I think, are, are, are we really gonna celebrate Malcolm's legacy or are we just gonna just say, oh, respect to the brother, he did something for us, but we we're, we're not even showing that we care. Well, we got first year past this religion thing. Now. I think that's playing a big role in why we can't move the needle when it comes to Malcolm. Um, it shouldn't be about religion. It should be about black being black. Mm. But at least it's not the case. Um, and uh, um, I attended a funeral. And I'm not gonna say who's going um, but this 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 son was a Muslim and was a follower of of Malcolm Malcolm mm-hmm. in the nation. Um, the pastor was not allowed him to speak um, because of his of his uh, religious status. And this was this man's father. <laughs> I would have snatched the mic. <laughs> no, no, man. It's, it's, but this brother, he did more. He acted more with grace. He, he acted more with humility. And he brought it in, in the um, <laughs> um, religious aspect. But, so he acted more like God than they did. I just, um, it's, it's so much about Malcolm that I feel like it's just disrespectful to his life on so many levels. It's not even just the religious thing. I just, I feel like when I think about Malcolm, I just try to think like, what did he die for? Like at the end of the day, what did he die for? Like. Really, like to really think about it, because if he, if, if we say what he died for, are we, or has that manifested itself? No, no. Come on, man. Um, most people are afraid to to speak truth to power because they don't want to be seen as a negative light in a negative light. There was Malcolm and there was Martin. Martin was was a good guy, and then Malcolm was seen as a bad guy. That's the fact. And he was seen as a bad guy in two realms towards the end of his life. Mm-hmm. Probably three. Mm-hmm. The, the people that supported Martin, the nation disliked him, and the government disliked him. Mm-hmm. And it was sad. I, was, I just... Mm-hmm. Um, you was alive when he died, so... What was the feeling when he died? Angry. Um, same as Malcolm. I mean, Amari. Rage. Um, just another black guy. Uh, man, he got killed. Speaks out. And that's what that's what happens. I mean, if, if you were out here speaking truth to power, you know that you're capable of getting killed. Mm-hmm. Because of what you what you say and what you do, but that shouldn't be a barrier to stop you. It shouldn't. Uh, but a lot of people, uh, a lot of people <laughs> uh, believe that uh, it's it's better to keep quiet, to be in silence, just basically go along with the program. And that's sad, because when you think about it, what is what is being silent? What has been any of that really? How's that any any of that benefited us? I think when you think about being silent and you make that choice, I think you're doing a disservice to your family, 
your kids, your kids, kids, the kids after that, it's, it's generations affected by you just sitting on the sideline and not saying nothing. It's not just about you. It's not just about this paycheck you might lose. It's about the long lasting effects that are gonna affect your family long after you die because you ref you decided not to do what was right. Well, we're in a, a me type of society. We're not really concerned about uh, the whole. We're more concerned about the individual. And I think that's, that's the mindset has changed. Because back in the day, if you were black, you stayed in the same community where you were rich, poor, or indifferent. Mm-hmm. Now, class is playing a big role in where it is. So, I'm trying to get away from you, you, you black folks, even though you black yourself, and get out of this. It's okay to be, you know, willing to you know, want to get out, but you got to come back, and you got to give back. Look, I don't care if you make your money, but making your money without coming back to service your community is wrong. And that's when you talk about the house and the field, nigga. I mean, you just start a whole conversation because a lot of people, man, that, that, that alone will send a lot of folks off. It's still true today. Of course. It's still true today. You still got the house and you still got the field. Mm-hmm. You still got people that are going to go along and go along and people are going to kiss some butt to get what they to, to just, and you got the people that's gonna speak out. And that's, that, that in itself is problematic. Problematic. Because when you speak out, you know, um, you're gonna have trouble uh, with your reputation. You have trouble, maybe trouble finding a job, employment. Um, you have negativity about people talking about you know what a troublemaker. And we can go on and on and on about it with regards to this. The funny thing is, the people in the house didn't assist in ending slavery. It was the people in the field, the Harriet Tubmans, the Frederick Douglasses, the people in the field on the front line are the reason, are, are part of the reason we're, we're, we're more free today than we were in slavery. I'm not gonna say we're free because we're still facing oppression, but we, we have more freedoms today than they did, but it's because Harriet and Frederick and everybody a part of the Underground Railroad decided to be in the field and take risks to make changes for us. You know, um, it was, there was a conversation going on on Facebook with uh, Mr. Uh, Anthony Amir Kellogg, and um, he was talking about Nipsey. Yeah. And about um, what people need to do, need to stay in the hood, need to buy businesses and like, like that. And they had another guy saying, I would never come back to the hood. I'm, I'm gonna stay out west. You know, so you go ahead and do that down there, man, but, and he's just a black guy. And that's the problem. It's like, you can't talk about the hood if you're not willing to give back or do what you can to rebuild the hood. You can't, you can't step outside and make judgment if you're not living on the front lines in the hood. I, it, like, I, I've always hated the get some money and lead a hood like discussion. I'm like, what am I leaving? Where, where am I leading to? I'm gonna make a million dollars and still be called a nigga. I'm gonna I'm, I'm get all these degrees and still be called a nigga. Mm. I'm gonna get all this property and still be called a nigga. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get all these things that are supposed to set me apart and make me equal or whatever, but at the end of the day, I'm still that nigga across the street. I'm still going to be racially profiled by the cops. I'm still going to be denied loans and just opportunities because I'm black. And then I'm like, money doesn't change anything for you. I don't care who you are. You know, I was having this conversation with this, this guy. Uh, his name remains uh, a mystery, I guess. Mm-hmm. I was giving that. And he was talking about how he moved in the North Omaha because it was such a good deal. He said um, he moved in the North Omaha and purchased a house yep. for $90,000. <laughs> for $90,000. He 
He said, uh, that same house, you can go out west and you're paying a quarter of a million dollars for it. We don't understand, man. The best, the best property, the best land is in North Oak. Uh, so, so many people are moving out west and, and, and you know, paying half a million dollars or three quarters of a million dollars for a house. You can get a better house in North Oak uh, and, and more value, uh, and more room in the whole nine yards. But we want to move out west. It, it, it just mind boggles me. It's like, yes, it's cool to make money and do well for yourself, but I don't think it's cool to just abandon your people because you want to fit in with another group. I just, me assimilating to anything that's not black is not ever going to happen. Like, and that's not to say, like, I dislike other race groups or I dislike other groups. It's just to say, like, I'm now I'm I'm gonna intentionally stay with my people to make sure my people are always within my heart and always have my best interest at heart. I, I think once you separate yourself from the people, you lose you you can lose yourself and you lose your understanding of the struggle because you're you're not within it at all anymore. You kinda of separate yourself. You know, that's a very good point. Um when you get outside, you least likely to run into the police, all right? Keeping it real. Now, um, when you're over out west, you rarely see the police out there, man. Mm -hmm. You rarely see. But as soon as you come north, as soon as you go south, you can tell you can tell the uh, um, the police presence, and you can tell. Um, Warren Buffett says black folk get treated differently, uh, police differently. You know, it got to be some type of. Um, um, Truth that, but um, again, let's let's get back to Malcolm right? because you know at the end of the day that's what it's all about. So how can you, how, how do you think we can we can do a better job at uh, supporting Malcolm? Um, you know what I, I used to be on the board for like three years. Um, I think doing whatever we can to highlight the Malcolm X Foundation, the Memorial Center. But I think it's just being intentional and educating ourselves, our kids, our family on the legacy of Malcolm. I think there's a lot of misinformation about Malcolm X. When, when you think of Malcolm X, people only bring up, oh, by any means necessary. Like, they like, oh, he, he, he preaches violence. I'm like, no, he didn't. You, you have no... There, after he got out of prison, there is zero record of him being a part of anything violent. Mm -hmm. No, not one thing. He's just been standing up, man. And by any means necessary, you can take that how you want to take it. So. Yes, all he said was, if somebody hit you, you have the right, which you do, to hit them back. You have the right to defend yourself. I don't see how that is radical in anybody's frame of mind. If somebody hits me, I'm hitting them back. Like, yeah, but that was totally the opposite <laughs> of Martin Luther King. Because <laughs> he, he, he believed that it's nonviolence. So if somebody hits you, you're supposed to turn down the cheek. No. See, and that, that was that was the, the difference uh, between him and, 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 and Martin. And, and Martin said, hey, look. You're not about to spit <laughs> on me and turn a drink on me and think you just cool. It, it's just cool. And I don't even like to compare Martin and Malcolm together because I think that's the problem. There's too much comparison about Malcolm and Martin and who was better and who wasn't better and who did this and who, do, who did that. Why can't we just celebrate two great black men that stood up for us and died for us and leave it at that. Why do we gotta compare them and say who was who was right and who was wrong? I think they both were right in their in their own ways. Like they did just because the method was different doesn't mean the method doesn't mean the mission was different. Both were trying to uplift black people if they were just done in different ways. And I think the problem is we too many people want to compare Martin and Malcolm instead of highlighting both of them and saying they both was great black men. Why does there have to always be 
a comparison between our people. Like that 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 is, that is still a thing today. It's like, why can't we say Jordan was great and LeBron is great? Why can't we say Kobe was great and Jordan was great? Why do we gotta break them down and say, oh no, he sucked at this or he was wrong because of this? Like, I just think that's what that's what gets missed. We compare ourselves to each other too much instead of highlighting that both are great black men. Again, uh, the fact of the matter is you have individuals that are more palatable to folks and individuals that are not. And if you're seen as an activist, <laughs> you're seen as the bad guy. Mm -hmm. If you're seen as an advocate, you're seen as a good guy. But it shouldn't be that way. It should be, look, we both fighting for the same thing. You just got a different way of doing things. Mm -hmm. Period. And so, it is what it is. I mean, uh, I don't know how how we deal with that situation. There's more than one way to get to the, the finish line. And there's enough work to go around for everybody. And I also, just to go back to Malcolm, I think we can also do as much as we can. I know I do it a lot. I don't know how much other people do. I go back and listen to his speeches, and I really listen to him. I think he said some great things that are still relevant today, like listening to the message to the grassroots. Mm -hmm. I think anybody doing any work in a community should listen to that speech. Man, come on, man. I think that's, that's, that's the missing piece, man. There's no connection between the upper echelon, elitist, uh, professional type folks and the streets, the grassroots. I mean, you've seen it play again, Willie Lynch is being played out every day. You know, and until we find a way to be able to bridge that, then we're going to always be, be in the midst, man. The bridge is, even in the message of the grassroots, he said, I'm black. I am black. I am a black man before I'm a Muslim. I'm a black man. I'm a black man. I'm a black woman. I'm like, why are you scared to identify with what you are? It makes no sense to me. <laughs> yes, you could be a part of these different groups, but at the end of the day, when you go to sleep, you're black. When you wake up, you're black. When you walk into your white corporation, you're black. You're you're the black employee. You're the black person. I guarantee you somebody makes a black comment. I don't care where you are in America. You're black. I mean, you got black people who black it mean you don't see themselves as being black. I I call it black folks only meeting. It was black people saying I would never go to a black folks only meeting. What do you like? Do it on the ground. We had black people, man, who said, look, do it at night because I don't want, I don't want people to see me going into this type of meeting. Dude, we got a problem, man. We got a self-esteem problem, man. It's a, it's a huge problem because I know I, re I remember being young and just interacting with different black men that what you would call, uh, what you would say, like they made it or whatever. How they would look at me and my brother or my cousins or my friends. They would look at us like we was just not shit. They would just talk down to us. I remember I had an inter interaction with a, a gentleman one day. He was just uppity, whatever, bourgeois, whatever. Just talking to me like I wasn't shit. And I'm like, and he was like, yeah, my kids got degrees. And I'm like, okay, I do too. Like, what, what are you saying to me? Like, what... What makes you different, more different than me? And it, it's people like that that just look down upon people that grew up where I came from. And they black. Yeah. When you say class, classism is playing, playing a role as well. And, you know, I, I don't down anyone who, mm -hmm. who, have a, who has their education. I don't down anyone who has made it and being there, made it, whatever the case may be. But you can't. You can't uh, look down on any uh, of your people, man, that have that have made it. Because the majority of black folks have not made it. No. The majority of black folks are struggling. 
and then you will be reminded that you're black at some point in your life. Then I just use case studies like OJ, Bill Cosby, the list goes on of people who, when they got in trouble, they wanted to be black again. But when they was up and high and, and mighty and making it, they won't, wanted to disassociate themselves with the black community. And it's just a reminder, it's like the examples are there. Like, no matter what, you're black. It's kind of funny you say that because um, Minister Farrakhan and um, Muhammad Ali was, was talking, and he, uh, Muhammad Ali, no, the minister leaned over, and Muhammad Ali said, You're still a nigga. And then the minister looked, looked over at him, You see, what do you mean? He said, As long as you live in America, whether you're rich, you're a rich nigga. Mm -hmm. Whether you play sports, you're a nigga to play basketball. Entertainment, the same thing. And it really adds credence to what you just said. No matter how much money you got, no matter how rich you, you are, you still are looked at as a, as, a, as a nigga in this country. And people say, oh, no, that's not true. No, no, no. Just because we had a black president, we're not post-racial. We're not. We're not post-racial. No. And until America can look at me as a man and not as a black man, then we always have these issues. Definitely. And I saw a post, what was it, yesterday or today, that kind of hit on the head of what's going on in Omaha with Malcolm X. It was that, it, I, I'm paraphrasing, but it basically said that Omaha still doesn't want to acknowledge that Malcolm X's family was ran away from Omaha because of the Ku Klux Klan and because of racism and because, like, Omaha, I don't like it. I have a love hate for this city because it, it, I just feel like every city in America has like racism. I'm not saying that, but I just think Omaha just doesn't want to address it at all. And we and most people in Omaha want to act as if we're past it and nothing's going on here. Like, there's still police brutality. There's still injustices in, in, in the criminal justice system. Uh, there's still so many underlying things going on in our community that no one really hits on or talks about. And we just active, Nebraska, like Omaha is this perfect place. And there's there's racism in this in, in the systems. There there's so much racism and just undercover stuff that's going on in Omaha and nobody wants to talk about it. No, like it, it, it just pisses me off. You know, um you go look at and look at the numbers, huh? Um, the number of kids in poverty, the number of kids going hungry, S T D, FBI. Go look at those numbers. You when you say the good life. Good life for who? Because you talking about black folks, they're not having a good life here. Not black people. You know, so, you know, but when you talk like that, man, you know, people see you as a troublemaker. But the fact of the matter is, man, when you talk about the good life, the majority of black folks are not doing good in Nebraska. No. And a lot of people don't want to admit that. I, I put a poll, I put a question out there um, earlier today. Have things gotten better for black folks in six eight one one one, six eight one zero four, and six eight one one zero? No. Um, ninety percent of ninety five percent of the people said no. 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 You can't. There, there is no proof of anything that has gotten even minimally, like even remotely better for black people in Omaha. I, I, I can't point to one thing. No, it's, it's, don't, don't get me wrong. There's some black folks doing good here. But in majority speaking, there's black folks doing good all across America. But when you speak of the majority of yeah. black people, black people are struggling everywhere across America. And black people are dealing with so... Oh, oh, oh I almost forgot. This, is, this May is Mental Health Month. Black folks are suffering from mental health and trauma every day. Um, and um, we don't have to deal with that. 
and how we address that. And um, I'm not going to say anything other than we got some things coming out of the pipe that we want to be able to address that. Um, healing circles. Um, it's got to be a, a place for us as black folks to be able, be able to talk and address and support each other. And healing circles is a way to be able to do that. So um, I'm excited for some of the coming out of the pipe. Um, I don't know, just thinking about the life and legacy of Malcolm X. Um, I just, I don't know, I think for his family, uh, I, I just get the feeling that this isn't his home. Hmm. I don't think they even, Harlem is his home to his family, if it feels like there's, um, I just don't, we, we say this is the home of Malcolm X, but we don't see his daughters here. We don't, we, we, we don't see no, nothing of the family being in Omaha, any presence. I don't, may, they, they come in the past, I've, I've heard they have, yes, but yeah. in recent years, there's, to me, there's no reason why we shouldn't have one of his daughters here every, at least one here every year to celebrate his birthday. There, there is no reason that there is no connection with his family in Omaha right now. And now, if you got a connection, please let me know. Like, I've, I've emailed his daughter before, but as far as, like, a connection, like, there's no connection. I don't think there is. Um, How can this be his home and we don't got no connection to his family? I can't speak on that. So, <laughs> but um, I want to make sure I, I give a plug. I didn't know that Navani Stennis had wrote a book about Tuskegee Airmen. We got some, we got some talented authors here in, in the state of Nebraska and in Omaha. She also has her own publishing company. So we're doing a a book drive for culturally relevant books. I want to give a big shout out to Gina Miller, uh, James Craig. And others who have donated uh, books to uh, Anthony and Mayor Kellogg and uh, North Omaha Brains Barbers. I hope I didn't mess that up. But it, it's a reading program for our, our children in barbershops. Mm -hmm. Barbershops is our church, our therapist, and everything else in between. So uh, they donated, Gina donated this book. Uh, when I grew up, I want to be like the brave men of the Tuskegee. That's Tuskegee Airmen. Also, uh, she bought this one. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, Bibbidi Bob Barbershop. So, uh, if you are willing to pay 10 bucks, uh, go to the African American Bookstore, Miss um, Annette, Mr. Taylor, Marshall Taylor, and the African American Bookstore is a gym. And we should be supporting the African American bookstore at every chance we get. So I'm trying to guide as many folks as possible to go down to the African American bookstore, purchase a book or two, or either drop drop it off to the Commodity Center, or you can contact uh, 365 Hustle, Mr. Uh, Anthony Gavera Kellogg. Uh, he has a barbershop on Philadelphia 40th, 42nd, and Ames. Crosscuts. Uh, cross, uh, cross cuts. You can drop them off there or you can drop them off at Mount View Elementary before they close for the summer. Uh, also, um, I want to give a big plug to Big Mama's Kitchen and Catering. Uh, we will be having the Big Garden at the Lakes Hungry Club. Uh, also, they're working in partnership with the uh, um, North Omaha Lake Pool. Something like that. Let me, let me put it up on my phone. Um, I was going to say before we got out of here, I wanted to talk about just because of the time it's about to be election season. Mm. And if you haven't, I think it's imperative that you go either read the excerpts or go listen to the Ballard or the Bullet speech by Malcolm X because it, it hits on issues that we still face today and we still deal with today. Um, just, just definitely 
it, it it's important that we educate ourselves on the voting process. We educate our people, and we vote with our heads and not our we and not our like just just blind allegiances to anybody. I don't care if the person's black or whatever or anything, Democrat or Republican. Don't just walk in that booth and just vote because, just because. Because it, it's a disservice to you, it's a disservice to your family, your kids, the community to just vote blindly. Because we're just shooting ourselves in the head every time if we're just voting blindly, voting for people who historically haven't did anything for us. If, if, if you could give me an example of how the Democratic Party or any party, for example, has done anything to improve the conditions in the black community across America, not just in Omaha, I'll give you a high five. Seriously. Like, it, I'm, I'm just being real and real, really being honest. What have they done, like, the... The, the things that are going on in, in, in our community have been going on since I was born. I was born in 90. Like, North Omaha is, was poured in, and they're poor now. It's poor in the 80s, poor in the 70s. I, if, if, if you could give me an example of what, the, what any party has done for black people in North Omaha, I'll, I'll legitimately give you a high five how our lives have improved by just voting blindly. But we, we don't, first of all, we don't uh, control the politics or our politicians in our own community. We don't, we don't control them. Uh, we allow outside, outside influences to be able to control politics within, within our community. We, but we, we don't have control as far as the money, but we do have control as far as the votes. We don't got to vote for them. They could give them millions of dollars, thousands of dollars, but that doesn't mean we got to vote for this person. That doesn't mean we got to just accept just because they got this $100,000 campaign going on because they got the most marketing out, just because they got these billboards up. Oh, that's the person we vote for. No. that like it, It's some people that haven't got any funding that people should have probably voted for in the past. It, we're, not, we're not educated about the political process, man. You know, you got a lot of folks, man, that don't go to the polls and vote because they say, look, man, why should I? Because they don't understand how politics affects everything. Okay, Philip Jackson, rest in peace. He said, look, man, I was, I was uh, trying to save one person at a time. So he used an analogy, he saw a kid drowning, so he went out in the water, pulled him out, threw him on the bank. And then he saw another kid coming. And he went out there, he got him, and he, he, he threw it on the bank. And he said, what we don't understand is we got to go upstream. And we got to do, we got to affect the policy. When we did Christ versus Power, it was policy. When you did healthcare, it was policy. When you're talking about truancy, it was policy. So politics affects every aspect of our lives. Mass incarceration, policy. So until we understand that policy affects, and then make it, be educated about, about who to vote for, what are the issues, and another thing is, we, don't, we have not had a black agenda. I've never saw one. If we don't have a black agenda, <laughs> how, how, we, this how this type of... Uh, Things happen when they're bringing in folks outside our community, when the, the folks that are running for office really do not truly represent North Omaha. Definitely. And I think we, we, we need to be as strategic as possible in using our vote to get the changes that we need. And I don't think it's happened, but I think it's possible. I think... It just it, it there there has to be more intentionality in doing so. I think there are people out here trying to re-engage the black vote and get people to the polls, and I commend them because it's, it's hard work. It's a, it's a lot of work, but there there's always more that can be done. But it's not just on black people to just go vote. 
it, it like yes, it's our responsibility, supposedly our civic duty to go vote, but you can't just ask me to go vote and I'm still poor. Five years later, after I went and voted on this issue, you told me it was going to change my life. That's why people ain't going to vote because it's so much short short term short term thinking and telling people, oh. Go vote, vote or die. Vote, vote because this is gonna change your life, and it's like that's not realistic. That's not a really, that's not even reality. Because when you think about policies, in the first two to three years, those policies really don't affect us. It's the, it's when it gets to the fifth year, the tenth year, when you really start seeing those policies affect our lives, and nobody's educating people on that. So then people are like, man, what, what, what I'm about to go vote for, man? Y'all, y'all told us last year. We, if we vote on this or we vote for this person, this person was going to make life better for us. We still on food stamps. Our roads is still bad. We still struggling. We still getting beat up by the police. It, it, it's just all still happening. But because we didn't go to the polls, because we didn't go to the polls, continue to happen. Yes. So, so in, yes, we have to go to the polls, but we have to be consistent. In 2008, in 2008, we elected Barack Obama. More people went to the polls and voted than ever before. I'm not saying he brought anything about change. That has I had some huge issue. I voted for him twice. But as far as him doing it for black folks, no. But you're right. We got to be consistent. But we can't be blindly consistent. I agree, man. We, 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 we can't just walk into the booth and just vote for people just because they black or just because they this or they that. We, th there has to be some real life Im Im impact to be, that, that needs to be shown. So people, when they go, cause last election, I saw a lot of people on Facebook. I wanna go vote, I don't know who to vote for and I'm not just about to go in there and vote for anybody. And people are like, oh, you still should go vote. You should go do this. It's like, would like, Really, they shouldn't. Well, you had a lot of black folks vote for Trump. A lot of black folks t today will say he will vote for Trump the second time because they'll do it good money-wise. Yeah. They're going to still be niggas. <laughs> they're still going to be black. <laughs> and they're <laughs> they still going to be oppressed. So go vote for Trump. <laughs> but like I said, dude. Still going to be oppressed. Uh, uh, it may be true, but, but the fact of the matter is that, that's happening. Well, I don't know. I I say that about Trump, but I'm like we still was oppressed when Barack was the president. We 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 still was getting beat up. We still was we still poor. I uh, it's it, it it has to be more. I don't I like politics is a thing, and policy is a thing. But it I feel like there's something we're not doing to really make change the way we really need it. I, I I haven't completely thought thought it through, but I feel like there's some there's some missing ingredient that that we're not hitting on because no matter what, if we vote anybody in, it just seems like at the end of the day we're still oppressed. We're still oppressed people. We still gonna go through the same struggle. Like like I said, if you could point to me any to any real change that any political party has done for black people in America. Make it. That ain't helped us. That, <laughs> welfare and all that divided our families. I, mean, I, I, the, I, said, I said Medicare. The, I said, all right, Medicaid, uh, Obama. How many people even know how, it, man, how, lives, man. how many black people are actually going to so the it's market, not a good thing? marketplace? It's not a good thing? I'm not saying healthcare isn't a good thing. No, I'm no. just saying like... I'm just being facetious, man. It's... Black people, especially black men, I, I want to say are the most uninsured people in America. Yes. Yeah. So how how was that? Okay, I I, I tell you one thing. Um, the crack versus powder. That, no, I mean you know what I mean because of the, the change in law and policy, it 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 allowed a lot of our black men and boys to get shorter sentences. Shorter sentences after spending thirty years of their life. Yeah, but but hold on, man. They could have been there for. You're right. <laughs> You're right. No, I'm 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 just saying. Shorter sentences, your 
you you're not acknowledging the wrong. You're not you're not help you're not really helping these people when they get out because they're still a felon. You didn't there there was no job creation when you saw this population coming out. You like the the, the reentry help isn't necessarily there like it should be. Right, right. It's like yes, like even with marijuana, it's like oh yes, I think marijuana should be legalized. But it should not be legalized if we're not going to erase the records of the people who have been convicted of marijuana convictions. I, I just think you could change crack and powder and you can make them equal, but it doesn't change the effects that those policies have had on our community till this day. I kind of, I, I kind of disagree <laughs> because I know so many folks that got caught up in doing 25, 50 years because of Crack versus powder. Mm-hmm. And because uh, of the policy change, a lot of those, a lot of those individuals are they can make they can be productive citizens. So I, I know that they have has impact. No, five out of six of my brothers been I'm not I'm not saying it doesn't have impact or or it wasn't a good thing, but I just think just changing that law or or, or the classification wasn't enough. I think there should have been a more back-end stuff to assist those people getting out. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying it's wrong, but I'm saying, like, to really, if America really wants to show me that they care about the wrongs that they did in the past, they would have did more to assist those people after they made those changes to the law. Because a man that served 30 years in a pen is going to come out to a new world, and you're not doing nothing to help them. You're just giving them a $100 check, if that, to say, hey, go make it. And he lost. Well, America has never given us apology for Jim Crow or slavery. We don't even give apology. For... But look, <laughs> but, but right now, man, they're putting more funds, more funds in the reentry because of the new marijuana law and because of some of the radical changes that Cory Booker and others have put on the platform. So those discussions had never taken place before. Right, but. What are they doing to replace mass incarceration? They 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 stopped slavery and and created the like like mass incarceration was was the second phase. So what is the third phase of this? What is the third phase? I mean, really? do you think black people will ever be truly free in America? Because that's because. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> Um, look, um, and this is only because uh, I've, I've gotten to the United States. Uh, for the first time in my life, um, I was in a country where my skin was not an issue. Mm-hmm. I don't think people understand the magnitude of waking up in a country where your blackness was not a deficit but a positive. And I literally, I mean, cried because it was a, it was a euphoric feeling that you, you couldn't really describe, man. To be oppressed in America and to be in your homeland and to be loved and appreciated, man, that's, that's something that you can't, you can't put a price on. Um, and I think every man, every black man, every person of color, should should go to Africa. I, I think, I really believe that our, our true liberation is in Africa, and that um, all the things that we we need is in Africa. All, all the riches is in Africa. Right? I think a lot of the solutions are in, in Africa. So I don't know. Like back to Malcolm. I'm thinking he went to Africa. Uh, he went to Mecca, and he came back, and the same people he was fighting for killed him. Are you talking about the nation? It was, yes, the nation. I, I believe they had a part in it. You can't, you, you, you cannot convince me otherwise. Yes, the FBI had a hand in it. I believe the COINTELPRO, Pro, J. Edgar Hoover, but I also. Who the next man? No, it, I'm. I know, and, and it, it just pisses me off. It's like, when are we going to learn that we, we, 
we have to change our mindset or do we still want to be oppressed for the rest of our lives? We have to unlearn what we have learned. We have to really truly um, learn about our history, about what made us great. I think once black folks read on their history, man, and understand our greatness, you won't be looking at ourselves at hating each other. You right and and I I just have one. okay so if the people in the nation killed Malcolm or had some part in it that means if from what I've heard and what I've learned they had a sense of self a sense of black pride they understood our history they understand stood the role of the black man throughout history but it's still you you still come to a point to where you kill your brother. So it's, it's, it's hard. It's just super hard to really think about because, yes, you're right. Like, we need to love each other. We need to learn our history. We need to do all this. But still, I feel like it was people who were educated on the black man and black history that still was like, I don't care, and they still killed Malcolm. But, you know, you have people raising this question all the time, Sam. Well, you know, of course, the police kill y'all, but y'all kill each other in such a long and right. So it really is, it's just, it's, they have taught us to hate each other. It's really nice. That's why it's easier to kill a black man. You know, man, how many black people do you know that have actually killed white people? It don't happen. Not too many. Because they know what? You don't get to do it the chair. You don't get maxed out. <laughs> but if you, the, the sad thing is, you can kill a black person, you'll be out in five to ten years. Sometimes. Even soon. I don't know. Um, what do you hope that most learn from the life and legacy of Malcolm X? Like, if you could think of just one thing that people, if, if, if it's one thing about Malcolm that people should really get to understand and get to know, what would it be? Second chances. Um, that you can make a mistake and you become a better person because of it. So this analogy that if you make a mistake that you can never change is, is bogus. And I think what he did for, for just um, one of us is that to show that you can change and you can, you can uh, uplift and do great things in life. I think for me, it's not being afraid to say what's right, no matter if you're gonna die for it. Just not being afraid to just say what's, say what's right and, to, and be your own man. Because even when he came out, it was still people from like his old life that he would interact with that still tried to pull him back. But he was so, he, 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 he just wanted to be his own man and he couldn't be directed in that direction anymore because he understood who he was as a person and he wasn't afraid to be truthful about it. He, didn't, he, he wasn't hiding who he was. And I think if you haven't, I think you should go visit the Malcolm X Center, visit his birth site, um, read the autobiography of Malcolm X. Uh, there's there's other books about his life. Others has written, his kids have written, written not written, I'm, I'm tripping. But um, just definitely just educate yourself about Malcolm and do whatever you can to just Help, help out the Malcolm X Center. I think they need help, like all black organizations in our community, especially the ones at the grassroots. And I think if you're gonna help, if you're gonna celebrate the life of Malcolm, I would just say just really, one more thing is just to educate yourself. You don't need to go to a college, or you don't need to go to a university. You don't need to sit in a class to educate yourself.
and don't wait till you go to prison or get locked up or get in and put in a tough situation to start educating yourself. And I, I think you know, for everybody, uh, all nonprofits, at the end of the day, if you're not able to pay the director and he's not able to uh, hire staff, you can't grow. Mm -hmm. That's what building capacity is all about. And I think uh, a lot of uh, nonprofits are struggling because they're not able to, to do that. At the end of the day, um, it's about economics. If you can't take care of your family, you can't go out here and volunteer. Yeah. You know, and um, you know, they ask us to do a lot. We volunteer a lot. But at the end of the day, it's about economics. And that's why my whole my whole thing is we must build, grow, support out. Um, until we understand that every other ethnic group do it. Every other ethnic group. But we don't support our own organizations. William King, 95.7 of boss, 15,000 viewers. No way in the world, man, this man should be struggling. No way. Um, and I can go on and on about organizations that are doing phenomenal work. You got my boy Carl Cuisine with the um, uh, UFFL. Phenomenal work. But he has a concept that he, uh, he understands that, hey, look, we can do this on our own. We can generate money on our own to be able to hire folks to be able to do exactly what? Mentor? Man, black men has always been mentoring youth. That's just another village, a word uh, people are using. Who's a village? We had the village concept. So we've always been out here mentoring our boys. Uh, but because of uh, the way the system works, um, they use that against us. So they uh, allowed uh, housing and um, uh, one of the restrictions in order for you to get a housing, uh, the father of the children could be in the house. So there was a concentrated effort to be able to get the man out of the house. And now, now that 80% of all women are here in households, that is a huge, that's a huge problem. Look, you can argue with me all day. Until men, black men, take their rightful place back in their home, back in society, we're going to have this issue. It is what it is. Definitely. Um, thank you all for tuning in. We'll see you next week. And uh, make sure to do whatever you can to educate yourself. Educate yourself about Malcolm X and give to this great book drive to educate our kids in barbershops. Thank you. Thank you. Because y'all, no, y'all don't even know Poodala. See, bye-bye. No, because y'all, mm. y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. Y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. That doesn't mean you can do that, so. Yeah.